What up? It's Dregs One. This is the History of the Bay podcast, sponsored by Amoeba Music San Francisco. We got all the folks in the house. We got King Shed behind the camera, Skino, the producer, DEO on the ones and twos. We got Capital Tax in the cut, Omie Troy in the cut, and our special guest, the legendary CMG of Conscious Daughters. Thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate you your time. Off top. Yeah, for sure. I love what you're doing. That's why I'm here. Right on. I appreciate you that. Know? I appreciate that. I like, you know, giving props to the people who paved the way. You're definitely one of them. You and the legendary special one. Rest in peace. You got her. about my shirt today. Representing. So she's here with me. She might have something to say if y'all see some something come across the, the interruptions, come across the video, then you know it's her. Yeah, the energy is the here. The energy. That, yeah, yeah, that. Facts. <laughs> So uh, I just want to get right into your story because y'all from Oakland, the town. And Oakland and Richmond. Oakland and Richmond. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really ended up, the story really ended up in Oakland, but um, Special One is originally from Seattle. And so her, her mom had Central? moved here. Yeah. We mm-hmm. met when we were 12 years old. Okay. So a lot of people wonder how our chemistry works because we've been best friends for so long. Yeah. And a lot of female groups, they're like kind of put together and women don't get along and they start fighting. And, but yeah. we grew up together and we kind of developed our group together. So basically, she's originally from Seattle, moved here with her mom who worked at a radio station. Mm-hmm. And um, the radio station was called KDIA Radio Station. Very popular in the Bay. Um, she worked, Bob Jones was like one of the biggest radio people out there and her mom worked for Bob Jones. Meanwhile... Um, I was living in Berkeley, um, born and raised to a, a Native American mother. My mother's full-blooded Native American, from straight from the mountains. Mm. My dad moved here from Philly. He was a crooner, uh, but he joined the Air Force. And when you join the Air Force, they send you all the way where you're not from. So they sent him to Travis. My parents met there, and 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 so I grew up in the Bay, basically based on that. Um, but both of us, when we met in junior high school. Um, Carol, by the way, as a kid, she was a tomboy. So mm-hmm. she played baseball in Richmond, California. Is very known for being an all-star girl player at, you know, very early on and uh, would move on to be at her mom's job and learn how to operate all the equipment mm-hmm. at the radio station. Meanwhile, my dad is a crooner, and he moved to where my mom was. And, we, and I grew up in Berkeley. My parents were kind of hippies. You know what I'm saying? They moved there because it was okay to have interracial relationships and this, that, and the third. And so, um, long story short, um, I was a band baby. You know, my dad, his best friend, one of his best friends is Frankie Beverly. Another one of his best friends is is, um, one of the lead singers of The Temptations. All of his friends ended up becoming famous people. And he decided not to pursue that career because it just wasn't working. It was a long thing. And he decided to get a job and go to the Air Force. So... Meanwhile, I'm in in Berkeley, California. Carol's in Richmond, and I'm like at my house with the whole group of Mays, Frankie Beverly and Mays, living in my two bedroom apartment with me as a kid. So they kind of babysat me, and I learned a lot. I was just a band baby. I was always on the stage with them and everything. And meanwhile, she's in the radio station. So when we met uh, through a mutual friend, one thing we had in common was music. And she was like, oh, I like this song. And I was like, I like that song. So we kind of, uh, by the time we got to high school, we went to high school together. They had a radio station. And um, Carol went to the class 
Because, you know, she wanted to take the radio class. Me, I don't know nothing about radio. You know, I was just going to school. But when she got to the radio class, the teacher was like, uh, I can't teach you nothing. She knew how to operate everything in there because her mom already worked at the radio station, right? She went in there and was doing the reels and the tapes and everything. So she became the helper. And I would cut class and go down there. She ran all the whole thing. We would just be making tapes and cassettes, um, just rapping like I thought I was the real Roxanne. We was doing Run DMC stuff, and she was scratching and cutting, and we was doing that in the 80s. So really early on, not to age myself, but, you know, we started real early in radio and just becoming personalities in, like, 10th grade. Mm. So that's kind of where we got our characters from, but we had been best friends the whole time. So by the time we got out of high school, we had left out of the school with backpacks full of cassettes that we made in the school uh the school situation, right? We made tapes. We had all this stuff, and we had all the equipment. So we had backpacks full of stuff. So everywhere we went, we was giving out tapes. Had our phone number on it. Back then, this was before, you know, digital media, right? So um, that's kind of how we started. I'll let you ask some more questions. I don't want to tell the whole no, story. No, no, but we uh, eventually, um, as we got out of high school, we started going to the 18 and up clubs. Mm-hmm. One of them um, was called the, um, what's the name of that club? The Palladium. You know, the Palladium in San Francisco, some of them OG, old school clubs. We were all at those clubs, and we just was giving out our tapes, giving out our tapes to everybody. Had our phone number on it. And um, so we eventually went to Digital Underground. When they were first starting, they had an album release party. And so we went to the album release party. It was like, yeah, because those were our friends. Meanwhile, all on the circuit, we're making friends with everybody who's coming out in rap. From San Francisco to the Bay, we are all like this. There's not one rapper out here that's of, of my age that's, that I'm not like this with. I know all of them. From San Quinn to the San Francisco to the Rap Before Tays to the, anybody from Oakland to the Capital Tax. Um, but when we started, um, once we got to this club, we ran into Paris. And Paris was a, a, a political, you know, rapper. I don't know if you know Paris. The, the, of course. That's Frisco's, you know, one yeah, of Frisco's, Frisco's finest. Um, and he said, uh, we had Conscious Daughter Jackets. Remember, you used to go to the mall and you'd be able to get your jacket and put your name on the back and they'd steam it on there with that little <laughs> thing. Twenty, You know, $15. You get your jacket, your name on your jacket. So we had hats, jackets. And when we went to the Digital Underground party and we seen Paris, he was like, Conscious Daughters? Okay, hold on. So can, can I stop you there? Because I want to yeah. rewind a little bit. Yeah, I'm moving fast. No, no, but that's, that's crazy. I mean, y'all got off to a real early start. I just wanted to ask real quick because it's interesting that like your friendship kind of started around radio. And um, like, what, what role was like radio playing in the... Because it's so different now. What was the role of radio back in those days? I'm glad you I'm glad you asked that. So I I want to put some time on this. So uh even though I look like I'm about 30, 35, um you know, I'm closer to like the 50 range, but when we came out, it was the late 80s, really early 90s. Mm-hmm. And radio at that time all they was playing was New York this and they never supported bay music. And we had so many um there was a group of us by 1991, there was a group of us, Digital Underground, Soldier Mischief, Conscious Daughter, Sugar T, E-40 and the Click, Rapid Forte, San Quinn, um, Sebo and Marvelous. Um, the list just goes on. All of us had these independent labels. 
And that's really what made record labels start looking at us. And that's how we started getting radio play because mm-hmm. priority records came to us and picked us up. And eventually we became worth something. And that's when the DJ started paying attention and, you know, mind motion and all those early DJs, they weren't supporting KMEL just wasn't supporting Bay area rap. And it was a lot of for us to even be heard and seen but once we started starting our own record labels and started selling units, that's when we were selling CDs, not streams. Yeah. Not no three-cent streams or five-cent streams. We were selling $15 CDs. And we would get $4. That ain't shit, but that sounds a lot. You know, now I'll be happy to take $4 per stream. You know what I'm saying? Or $5 per stream. Um, well, it's probably a little more than that in certain cases. But... The point is we were selling manual copies of things and the money was a lot. So we were able to really um, make a lot of money off of what we were putting out. But the radio was just not supporting it until the record labels started getting into it. And uh, for example, um, we all started our own labels. And once the bass started clicking onto it, then then the radio station yeah. started going in. You know, my, people like Chewy Gomez and Michael Erickson... Uh, and Davey D were the three people who played our record first. Mm. And that's why every time I see Chewy, I just squeeze him because he was one of the first people to ever break our record. Him, Michael Erickson, and Davey D. That's big. And they were on KSOL 107.7, which is a, a, a radio station that's been gone. And Michael Erickson, you know, rest in peace. He passed away, but... Um, you know, they started, so once we started getting support, then it was on. But for a long time, we had to fight them DJs because they was just riding. We used to always say, y'all ride New York dick. That's all y'all do. 24 fucking 7. <laughs> so, and I can, I have an example. We had a show in San Francisco where Jay-Z was performing. And it was, we were headlining and he was opening up for us. And, um, so we had the show. It was like another act that was coming on in the beginning. I don't remember who it was. And all the DJs, as soon as Jay-Z walked in the room, they all was like, like smashing our face and was like, fuck you, y'all ain't got shit. You know, they weren't intentionally doing that, but that's how we felt. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And they was all up in Jay-Z and the other New York group that was in there. And we was like, fuck that. They don't fuck them New York people. We was like, fuck them niggas. Like, we don't care. Like, you know, we was acting like that. And fast forward about, of course, Jay-Z would end up blowing up. He was worth the whole, like what they was doing was totally right, right? But fast forward 20-something years later, we go to the um, uh, that uh, that tour that Snoop did. Um, oh, the Up the and Smoke? Up and Smoke tour. And literally, I swear to God, we, me and Carol were walking around in the, in the backstage, right? We came out of a door in this long arena. It wasn't in Oakland. It was, I want to say LA or somewhere. We were out of town. And we it was this long thing. And the door opened and closed. It was Jay-Z by himself. It was me, him, and her in the in the walking towards each other. And this was after he blew up, right? Mm-hmm. And Carol, she crazy. She was like, nigga. She said, motherfucker, you remember when you opened up for us? <laughs> he started busting out laughing because he cause he already loved her. Cause he shit, that's just her personality is so natural and normal and everything. And he was like, Yeah, you know, it was just a moment that for me, really meant a lot, but I'm like, damn, we're supposed to be bigger than him, you know what I mean? <laughs> At the same true. time, 
But yeah, they was all on New York dick for the for the longest. And well, finally, they jumped on the bay. When when you said like some of your early influences, right? Like you mentioned like Run DMC, um, Roxanne, Roxanne Shante. The was, real Roxanne. Yeah. Because she was like she was a half breed and it was okay. Back then it wasn't cool to be light skinned in a rap. That's yeah, another yeah, thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh I was wondering like if they were because y'all are like known as being like the pioneers as women rappers. And and back in the early days, were there anyone else in the bay that you were looking up to as that was a female in rap that was inspiring you, or did y'all just have to go blaze yeah, that trail? Yeah, I mean, I really liked Kimmy Fresh when she came out with Too Short. When he put her out, I was like, oh, Kimmy Fresh and Marvelous was dope. Um, Sugar T, I mean, we've all been friends. We all started together, that's right, the thing. Right, right, right. So we come literally from the start of hip-hop in the Bay. So there was really nobody that came before us mm-hmm. that I knew of, unless it was a man like Calvin. Yeah. You, know, you know, Calvin T or somebody Magic, like Magic that. Magic Mike, right. Or Magic Mike or somebody mm-hmm. like that. Other than that, it was pretty much NWA and a lot of New York rap. Like, we just really, 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 really um, special one. Worked, coming from that radio station where her mom worked from and she was a DJ. Yeah. She got all of the new shit from New York. We was on Biz Marquee. We was on the Ralph McDaniel show. We was on the Awesome 2 show. We was on, not we were on, we were listening to. That's kind of what we came up with. The Beastie Boys um, had a big influence on us as far as uh, our stage presence and how we deliver flows. A lot of people, when they saw us perform, we were different. You know why? Because we get on the stage and we... uh, Crowd control. We work with each other. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't Mm -hmm. just stand there. Right. So where we come from, dudes just get on the stage and they just stand there and be hell of them. When it's me and her, we clear stage. And then, you know, she climbs on speakers and it's a lot going on. Like, we're just not standing there rapping. We work, we feed off each other. We go back and forth. Kind of like a kid and play kind of thing, but yeah. not so dramatic. Yeah, yeah. But so we had picked up so much from the New York uh, MCs. There was a group, there was a group, uh, the UMCs mm-hmm. and the Fushnickens who came out to California and they had a, a show. And we just happened to meet them. And um, they were like, yeah, y'all should come, you know, perform with us. And we was like, okay. So they took us on a little mini tour. And we performed. That's when we started doing stadiums and big clubs. That's when we like, we was like, oh, man. Because they saw us perform and they were like, wow, y'all hella dope. We don't see no women like that in New York. So I was like, really? Because t- I'm sure there's a lot, but I didn't care. I was like, we were trying to just go <clears throat> hang out with them, you yeah. know. So they sat us down. They said, every mic that you touch, you wreck that mic. You know, it was serious, like, mics control shit. Like, you just, you, you keep a freestyle at all times. When somebody said, bust a rhyme, that's what you do. Like, nobody can do that today. Yeah. That's you know, they be like, uh, let me get my phone. Yeah, that's that, that's that real you know? New York hip-hop MC type of roots right there. Yeah, me, I keep something in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. you got to just come out and just be like, you know, straight up out the gutter. I rock like old school Adidas with no laces. Three triple aces facing your doom. Blast like platoon. Bitch would have gotten the teddy at the saloon. You know, you got to come with something. <laughs> right, you know right, what I'm right, saying? Right, like, right. deliver when they tell you to, <laughs> right. are you a rapper? Yeah, I mean, that's where we came from. And it was so hard for us to prove our, it wasn't hard. It, I'm, I'm sorry, it was challenging. It was just a challenge. No, it wasn't hard. It was in our mind that we had to do that. Nobody mm. ever said, show who you are. But mm. they will say, bust a rhyme right now. And if you can't do that, 
good friend of mine, my brother, Sway. When he first started, he was a rapper. We came yeah. all to, up together. Sway and King you know? Tech. Yeah, Sway. Yeah. You know, that's my brother right there, you know. So, you know, it, it's for him to be where he is now, that's why he does that. Because of where his roots are from. Yeah, this yeah. is where we came from. It's like really showing that you're an MC. Right. Not that you just fake hair and titties and you want to get some change, some money. And can you make me a bag? Give me a bag. And, you know, all this shit. You know, we here like, you know, do some real talent. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's kind of what set us apart. But the UMCs and the Fushnikas really gave us a lot of stage presence. Mm-hmm. And so once we went on tour with them, then we started getting respect from New York. And at the time, then we ended up in all these New York places. Then Priority Records, who we signed with through Paris, they started getting billboards. Like, we had a billboard on Crenshaw Boulevard, which to me, you know, I'm like, I'm on a fucking billboard. I've never been on a billboard. That was like the biggest thing. And I took pictures of it. And I still got pictures of that billboard. It was like one of the greatest moments in my life, even though there was only probably 10 of them. Hell yeah. Between here and LA. Oh, but big. that was a big thing, just being on a billboard and hearing our song on the radio for the first time. And Priority would tell the radio stations, well, if you want to, if you want Ice Cube to do your concert, you're going to have to play Conscious Daughters, you know? And so they, our song was playing in New York like nobody's business. When, when, when I've, I've heard a too short interview. I mean, where he talked about like being him being influenced by early East Coast stuff, but then wanting to put the Oakland twist on it, talking about what he was seeing in the Bay. Uh, like, did y'all have that same approach? Like, we're going to do this in our style and talk about what we are, our flavor and what we see out here in, in, in the Bay Area. We never had a plan. Mm. We never sat down and said, we're going to do this. We're going to make a song like XYZ. We're going to sound like XYZ. We just said, nigga, we're going to the studio. Can you be there at 5 o'clock? Bring some 40s and some weed. We're going to write some songs. That's right. And that's what it was. It was all authentic. Organic. All organic music. And it still is. Anytime I write a song, when somebody says, oh, can you do a song about something? I mean, maybe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Send me some beats and I, I, I create from the beat. I don't. I'm the type, we slept in the studio. Like, I'm not the type of person, I would like to write a song about that, but if it don't come to me today, then I'm not going to force it. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. So, one thing that, um, with me and us, is that we just enjoyed what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And and then, we sometimes we go to the studio, we have no idea, no plan, nothing. And then some of them, when the beast comes, then Carol comes with a hook, because she was just super... Dope with hooks, period, dot. She was just an amazing human being, person, actress, all of that. Just so ahead of her time. Even the way she dressed and looked, now there's millions of women that look like her. They weren't out there like that. I look at Lena Waithe and I look at women that dress kind of in the, in with, you know, not kind of manly, but still got the in-between, like the, what do you call it, the mixed, uh, the... Unisex kind of look. Right. I wasn't familiar with that. Like we just, it wasn't okay to be unisex or gay or none of that shit back in the day. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? And she was way ahead of her, but her ahead of her time. Everybody loved her. She was white people, school class teacher, the motherfucker at the Burger King window. (laughs) Anybody loved her because she was just such an awesome person. And I think that that kind of fed into what we were doing. Yeah, so it's all about being fun and being happy. That's how, it. how did y'all come up with the name Conscious Daughters? Oh, yeah, that was crazy. That's an ill name. Yeah, it's 
So this dude gave us the same. Actually, we are. So when we were in high school, we was called Chaos. Mm. We gonna be Chaos. Our name is Chaos. We took pictures and shit. Chaos. We had our hair down like <laughs> like the old school girls with the dolphin earrings and shit. And and when we got to started recording after high school, when we didn't have that studio anymore at the school. We was like, we got to find a producer. So my best friend, her baby daddy, was like, I've been doing music and I got a studio and, you know, come over here. And he was in San Francisco. And so we went to his studio and his producer was this reggae dude. And he was like, hmm. Every day time we came in and he was like, hmm, I see you are something today. And then we'd be like, yeah, but he was dope as hell. I call you conscious daughters. You know, and he was like, uh, I don't want to say a witchcraft kind of, I don't know what it was, but we love the name when he said Conscious Daughters because people always said it was like a social conscious. It wasn't meant to be a black awareness political conscious. It was meant to be a social conscious. Like we knew where all the clubs was at, the parties was at. They were like, you're socially conscious. And so we got the name from from him. It, it was like, we just had got high one night. We was like, nigga, that's it. We gonna yeah. take it. You know what I'm saying? We rolling with you. That's what's up. I we love it. I can see why people would think it was uh, like political conscious, especially since y'all started off with Paris and that, that he was the, the Black Panther rap. That was his thing, right? Yeah. But it didn't have nothing to do with that. It was no. just on the strength of how your tape sounded at, when, he, when, you, when you gave it to him. Well, yeah. And it, what had happened was... So we met Paris, and as soon as he seen Conscious Daughters on our jacket, Conscious Daughters on our hat, him being a serious-ass conscious rapper, yeah, and we over here, drinking 40s and shit, doing all this, he's like, oh, Conscious Daughters, he went right over to us, and he was like, tell me about your group. He's like, I just started a, a new label. He had been on Tommy Boy yeah. Records, and uh, yeah, he beat up the CEO and pistol whipped him and then he was like well I'm not on that label no more so um, I'm not letting that white man rule me to take you know fuck he me was, over he no was more. militant with it huh? man he was hella militant uh, one thing Paris ain't is no punk yeah. okay, I'll tell you that I done seen him pistol whipped and stuff like I just be like oh okay but he's very he's a great spirit he's very positive about everything he just doesn't want any negativity so once he saw us, he came up to us and he we gave him his tape. I mean, we gave him our tape. And he was like, I love all the songs on here. All these lyrics are dope, but the beats are whack. Because we had got some beats from like random people. You know how you go to, down to your cousin, so-and-so cousin down the street. And such and such cousin down the street and you get these beats. And so he ended up buying all the beats and um, remaking the songs that we had already done. So that was kind of how we started. So but, he remade yeah. those beats? Like, yeah. he took the sample, flipped oh, it? No he, re- he, no, he deleted the beats. Oh, so it's like same tempo Yeah, he type just of... paid them oh, just okay. to just say, okay, I'm taking this song. Because mm. he didn't want no problems, even though we right, had already right. recorded the song with them. He changed right. the beats totally. And but when... he went and paid them, which was the right thing to do. You yeah. know what I mean? Because we kind of had a project. And you don't want to take our project and go in and just leave these people... Out like that. So he went and paid all the people. And we was like, okay, that's perfect. And then he, we started working to rebuild what we had already had. And this is where, what she was talking about earlier, that um, that independent label hustle. Yeah. Because he was uh, pushing Scarface records, right? Yeah. 
Um, and so that was all independent at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And so with the, it sounds like he had that business sense already, like taking it yeah. serious and, and knowing Parents the industry. had got rich from Tommy Boy in the beginning. He always had money. Like he was always like, I don't want to say he got rich from Tommy Boy, but I think he really, he was doing well for himself very young age. He's always been um, a person who's about his money and he paid us well. And, you know, we had the be- one of the best deals. I've talked to some other artists from the Bay. They still owe their label some money. Like, not now, but, you know, back then they would be like, well, shit, I still owe my label money. We're like, we thank God we got us a Jewish, uh, I'm going to say Jewish lawyer, but <laughs> our Jewish lawyer explained every line on the contract to us and was like, there's three streams of money. They don't need to take money from everywhere. You can pay them back from here and get your money from here. And, you know, we had to understand what our contracts was about. And a lot of people just didn't do that. Yeah. They they just wanted to take that $200,000 advance. Mm-hmm. We got more than that. You know what I'm saying? And my thing was, you know, I love the advance, but the, the lawyer was like, don't let that advance. Listen, they're, actually, they're offering you this advance, but they're taking this. That's all you're going to get if you don't pay attention to what this, you know, so... Instead of three hundred thousand, we'll take two hundred thousand, and then y'all can collect your money because they do have to recoup. Yeah, that that's a, a definite. Yeah, yeah. But they don't need to recoup from all three streams of the money. Right. You know, we had mechanicals, we had CDs, we had you know publishing, we had a lot of stuff. So it was a we were able to work all that stuff out, and thank God today. Yeah. I'm so happy that you know we got paid right. We got all of our stuff. You know, I just picked up my four million plaques and my two million plaques for my two songs and I got four more plaques coming. Yeah. For Spotify, that's good because we're not a, we're not a new artist. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So And it's not like you signed over your publishing credit or nothing like that. Like, yeah. Right. That's what's up. That's some good so, game right there. Yeah. So I'm and you know, I'm just happy, you know, and one thing <clears throat> Paris did is he put uh we have a song on Grand Theft Auto Five. We roll deep, and that's one of my plaques, you know. Mm. So I'm just happy to be able to have something to share. My two gold albums, my four Billboard plaques, and my, you know, four Spotify plaques. That's a good. That's a good run right there. Yeah, uh, that's big. So all right, so you down with now? You signed to Scarface Records with Paris. That's a. It's a good situation. Um, he's remaking the beats. The beats are slapping on there, so he did a good job. And one thing Paris is is a dope ass producer. He's an ama- He's just an all around amazing person. He's super smart. He stays ahead of the edge of everything. Like when we first started doing, you know, recording and stuff, he had all the latest equipment. He was always up on what the new new is. Yeah. And I mean, he's just a. a an amazing smart person. Like he's he knows how to make money. He knows how to market. He does everything for himself. And he's basically an idol to me. Mm-hmm. You know, he is someone who um I still want to work with. Like I wanna call him and say, let's do another project. Yeah. You know, I know he's working on a lot, but he ain't answered the <laughs> he answered the phone. He don't know what I want. You know what I'm saying? But I tried to call him, but you know he's not answering the phone. But, but it makes me it makes me think because like we we had Black C in her earlier, like we said, and um, just that that independent mind state, the the 
The idea yeah. of like, I'm finna do this. I'm finna make the beats. I'm finna write the raps. I'm finna get in the studio. I'm finna sell the tapes. Like, and I'm finna market it. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'm finna put it out myself. I'm finna go. You know, back then we had City Hall. We had yeah. City Hall Records. You know, that wonderful white man, I can't think of his name. Walter. Walter. Yeah. You know, when Walter came around, he changed everything for everybody. Walter is a god because he gave E-40 deals. He gave Black Market. Um, when JT came out, I mean, um, came out and did his stuff, he gave him the Black Market deal. I mean, Chris Hicks, everybody went to Walter from City Hall Records to put out their music. And Walter... Put that music out and it just blossomed and yeah. it made the bay shine. We signed with Priority Records on a Tuesday. We got a call from Leor Cohen from Def Jam on a Thursday making us an offer. And we had already signed with Priority Records. But, but the fact that Def Jam even wanted to sign us this was, this was amazing. Was on the, that was on the second album, right? Or was this the first? Uh, oh, no, it was, it was, it was. Ear to the Street, was that? Uh, uh, I think that might have been before our second album. So our first album came out in 93, somewhere between 93 and 95. Because um, um, I don't recall specifically, but the fact that he even called to want to yeah. sign us to me was amazing. And I always think to today, like, what if we would have signed to Jeff Damn Records? Jeff Damn. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't need no more drink. <laughs> so, uh, maybe, what if we would have signed to Def Jam? Like, what, where would that have taken us? You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's, it's a lot of what ifs, you know, that what if we moved to L.A. and really just, like, pursued doing some more work down there? Things could have been different. But, you know, that's God's plan. And, you know, it, it worked out the way that it worked out. I'm happy that we're legendaries. One thing that cannot be taken away from me is my legendary status. No. And I sleep good at night knowing that. If I never make a record again, yeah. I look at those plaques and I look at what I've done and I look at people who write to me and say, hey, you know, I love you and I'm a fan. Even these young kids, I'd be like, these the young kids that are new right now are from the Grand Theft Auto 5. They're skateboarders that write me and be like, oh, I'm skating to your side. We rolling deep. And I'm like, <laughs> they skateboard and we roll deep. These kids are like 12 and 13 and 14. Yeah. They love the music. And it just it just makes me so happy. It just fills me with joy. Yeah, off top. Not everybody yeah, can sure. do that. But yeah. but going back to that first album, I mean, that one is a classic. I mean, was the first single um, We Roll Deep or was it? The first single was Funky, Funky Expedition. Expedition. Came out in 1994. Yeah. Did y'all know that was... Did that come out before the album, or it was just... It did. It came yeah. out before the album, but only like a month or two before the album dropped. Did y'all know that was the one? That it was going to do what it did? Um. Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah. Be, but I think we knew it was the one because Paris was like, let's film a video to that. Because he was like saying, we're going to do this. So we were kind of focused in on that being the one. But we had a lot of other songs on there, Princess of Poetry, for example. And the one thing about what we're doing with Paris is he's very militant-minded. Everything that he does is very black positive. It's very, like, um, he's not with genocide. He's not with, you know, anything that has to do with bringing down black people. And that includes drinking 40s, mm. which we did in the studio all the time. He was like, can y'all put the 40s away? You know, and so... Um, one thing about him is that he was very positive. So for each album that we did, he wrote a song. He said, if I'm going to put you guys out, 
I need you guys to have a voice. And on every song, I want to write a song that is about upliftment of black people. Mm. So our first album, we did a song called Shitty Situation. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. And that it was about deep. teenage pregnancy. Yeah. And how, and he wrote the whole thing. Mm. And we did a video to that. He wrote all, all Yeah, he wrote the whole song. Wow. We, did, we couldn't have never written anything like that hey, I was song. I was listening to that the other day. I was, I I was tripping because you was talking about... A dude who hit it and didn't call you back, back and then yeah. whooping his ass. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then I had the baby slipping. anyway, yeah. and formula yeah. costs, and money, and formula, and food costs so much, and, you know, we filmed that video. It was it, it was dope to hear that from, like, a, a woman's perspective right. in rap, because Nobody we usually hear it. the opposite side of, you know, the hit and quit it type raps. Yeah. But to hear a woman's perspective, it, but it's a trip that Paris wrote that, like. Yeah, and it was... Really not, because he had a song called Asada Song. He always wrote about positive, you know, black positivity and black power. Mm. That's where he comes from. So when he signed us, he he knew in his mind what he was going to do with us. He was going to use us, not use us, yeah. but he was going to take us because we had, the streets loved us. We go in the club and Carol get on the mic. Where my niggas at? I mean, just straight running the party. Like, out of nowhere, they'd be like, who is that? Nigga, if you got $5, if you got a dollar. What the fuck you got? You know, niggas riding with no L's or whatever. They'd be like, hey. They started loving her. Yeah. You know what I mean? And me, I'm just, bust a rhyme real quick. You know what I mean? Like, I'm behind her. But we got so much respect on the streets. I think he really looked and said, I can use them to make a difference. That's you dope. know? And so the first album we did, a uh, shitty situation about teenage pregnancy. The second album, AIDS, was really big. So yeah, we did a yeah. song about AIDS yeah. called All Caught Up. <clears throat> and um, it was just really a song about catching AIDS from some dude, how people can catch AIDS. And it was a great track. And then on our third album, The Nutcracker Suite, we did a song called... Um, um, <laughs> we did a song about domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And it was just... Uh, each song that he wrote was amazing. Like... I was just blown away by how dope it was. But, you know, delivering it was nothing. We was like, nigga, you run up in this, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it was just like, we had the delivery. Yeah. See, when you have delivery, <clears throat> that that's a, that's a big thing. It's a lot of women or, or, or rappers, not even women, just rappers that come out and they want to rap. So I'm going to say, bust my rhyme. But when you come out and you got real delivery and you got yeah. presence, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you just come out and you just look, check this out. This is how this song goes. They did it. That's and what you I got noticed control, when I was, I was, thing, I was going know? through some of your, your catalog. And I mean, y'all busting on there. And it's, it's it, it obviously like your your femininity is on there. It's powerful. It's strong. But y'all busting in a way that like a dude would mob know, to. Like, that's our, that was. I'm our not role saying models. like sounding like a dude, but like uh, like you could a dude would listen yeah. to it and mob around to yeah, it. You know that, what I mean? The, the dudes is our role models. Too short. You know, I mean, it's it's a super super NWA for me was really big. Any all the NWA stuff was really just Easy E stuff was really big to us. Yeah, and then all the New York rappers, mm -hmm. which gave you that presence and gave you that attitude. Because out here, you know, they they pimp rap. Oh, nigga, you something yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the New York, they're like, hey, put your put a do the do yeah. put a put you know all that. So we got all that from that, and yeah. then we got all this game. From the back. Yeah. On, so on, it was on, a combination that could probably never be built again. Yeah, on a song, on a song like uh, Princess of Poetry, I definitely heard that, like that New York 
you know, like that. Yeah. MC, y'all was emceeing on that on that joint. Yeah, I still I still got it in me. Yeah, I believe I mean, it. I believe you came in here turned up, so I, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah. did how how did things change when when that Ear to the Street and Funky Expedition and we wrote deep all the videos is on TV, your songs on the radio, you're on Billboard. How did everything change for you? Is that little Dicky? Yeah. Oh, I love him. <laughs> he produced the. This is one of the pl- executive producers oh, of the nice. platinum, nice. platinum See? single. You got your plaque up there. Um, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Um, how did everything change once once that oh. first album dropped and everything blew up? Oh man. See, the thing about me and Carol, special one, we've been best friends since we were twelve. We have seven other females that we have been best friends with. Since we were 12, 14. So we have a group of 10 women who have been our best friends. So as soon as we blew up, we all got on the plane. We took them everywhere with us because we we've had we already had a crew. It was like one or two of them. You know, you might have heard of Mystic. She's from Digital yeah, Underground. Yeah, yep, that's yep. my sister. She's one of our crew members. And then... um we had another one, Sugar Baby Doll. She rapped with Spice One, Sugar and Spice, early on. But she never really, like, made it, like, big or anything. But we had a group of people. But as soon as they changed, it just was different. Because when we went places and people started recognizing us, we were like, okay. Here's one thing that I remember specifically. We did a, we started doing those um, summer jams across the country. Mm-hmm. So, like, we have it here, but they have it in Detroit, Michigan, Chicago. So we went on tour, and we went, We I, I want to say we were in Chicago. And when you go to those things and you're an artist, they send you a shuttle bus to pick you up from the hotel, take you to the venue to do your show, and then they want you to take your ass back, which not all of us do. But they want to take you to the show. So we're we're going on the shuttle bus and we're getting off the shuttle bus to go to the venue backstage, and Foxy Brown is there. And so we're getting off the bus, and I, didn't, I wasn't paying attention to nothing. Carol had her headphones on. And she went, oh, oh my God, God, I just thought she had a whole fit because she knew who we were. Mm. And I cried because I was like, Foxy Brown, know who we are? Like, she was already with doing shit with Jay-Z and this, that, and the third, but she knew her female rap history. Right. And for her to even look at us and, and just go crazy like that made my day. It made my whole year. I still think about it. Mm-hmm. And there were some other people that did that too, but hers was the most because she started screaming and yelling and jumping around and telling people and pointing and stuff. And I just was like, wow, you know, Foxy Brown knows who we are. We somebody. Yeah. And that was... Kind of in the late 90s, early right, 2000s, right, right, in the right, 2000s, right. yeah. But it, in other words, it was real big. And, yeah, and, and, and it made me feel like, pop my color. Yeah, I'm for sure. Bitch, you don't know. No, I'm just <laughs> Of course it's me, but I didn't do that. I was like, you know, I was wild out just to meet her. Yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah. Mean? Yeah, that's probably so. a good look. You don't want to stun on, on her in a situation like that. That's no, it didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> I, I, when, it, when it's not expected, you just like, yeah. Oh, yeah, give yeah. us a hug and we hugged and you know kept it moving. But it was just a it was a great feeling. That's the point. I'm what, to make. what made y'all want to go with priority? Because I'm sure you like you said you mentioned Def Jam earlier. I'm sure there was other offers coming in or. Well, priority was the biggest offer that we had, but and didn't they also have like Master P at that time? And, yeah, we yeah. they had uh, Mac Ten and my label mates. 
Ice Cube, Mac Ten, Ice T. Um, who'd you say? Uh, who did I say? Oh, Master P. Master P. Yeah. Little Half Dead. Was Raz Razcat? Uh, no, I think uh, the the five that I named is the ones that I remember. Okay. And there was probably some other that I just can't think of right now, but um, Mac Mall. Well, he wasn't on there when we were, but those are like the main artists that were there when we were touring. So, you know, we toured with Ice T, Ice Cube, and man, when I tell you the tour, Conscious Daughters, Tribe Called Quest, Outcast, uh, this girl named Simply E, she had that song, Smoking a Blunt. And sipping on a Heineken. <laughs> Share that song. And then it was um, Ice Cube and Crazy Tunes and like three other groups I can't even think of right now. Um, but it was the greatest tour of my life. Like, I just was like, we are really touring with Ice Cube and all these people. Yeah. So it was just a good fit. Where Ice work. Cube went, we went because yeah. Priority packaged us with yeah, it. Yeah. That's how we got the radio play. Right. So when you're playing Ice Cube, you're playing Conscious Daughters. They put all their money into us, and it was. I'm so grateful to Brian Turner and Mark Cerami and Ron Spaulding and Dave Weiner and Kelly Wu and, you know, everybody who worked at Priority Records. They loved us so much. They just wanted to come party with us. They were like, we're coming to your show. And then Carol be like, I got all the weed and coke, whatever y'all need. Come on, let's go. We gonna do like you know. And then they was like, Yeah, we partying tonight. Ooh. They loved us so much. That's dope. And I appreciate them to this day. And a lot of them are in high places. Yeah. So you know, I'm going, I'm circling back now, try to get some work. Some 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 of them are in television. I need some television help. Yeah. And some of them are still in. Um, thank you. They're in. Uh, um, for example, Ron Spalding went on to be the vice president of Capitol Records, and then hold on, he's trying to know. sneak in with the with Thank the. Thank you. <laughs> we need to take, we need take a break. <laughs> so, but but with Paris selling your your contract, like he wasn't, he still produced on the second album on Game. Oh yeah. But I noticed y'all it's, y'all. It, it was close. He was going to be the producer. Yeah, for but sure. and y'all brought in a lot of you brought in pretty much the All Star team: Tone Capone, Studio oh, Tone, man, yes. Mike Mosley, Sam Bostic. Yeah, okay, that was on our first album. Paris mostly produced our second album, but working with Tone Capone, I mean, oh, Tone on, Capone man. and them was on the first album. Yeah, oh, my bad, they, my bad. Wait, wait, hold on. I thought Paris no, did no, the whole no, first no, one. No, no, you're right. Okay, you're right. Tone Capone is spread out a little bit. I, I just looked at the credits today. I don't remember. Whatever. It was a blur. Okay? <laughs> but anyway, all them niggas made some beats for us, and I love all y'all motherfuckers, because you know I do, and everything was slumping. I love it. Hell yeah. I don't know who did what when, but, you know, go get your plaques. That's all I got to say. That's a good answer. Don't um, look at me to pay $400 for your plaque, because they do charge you. <laughs> they give you the certification, but the plaque still costs 400 well, And I already bought Six, seven, eight of them. <laughs> one, one track that tripped me out on that album is the freestyle at the end with like Saphir, yeah, Harm, right. Mac Maw, Money B. Where y'all just, it sounded like you were in the studio lit passing the mic around. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. It was high as a kite. And then our friends were there, like my sisters and people who don't even rap with on the mic. We was like, yeah. bust a rhyme. 
I'm Ross and I'm such a such a da da da. And then they bust a rhyme and we recorded it. It was so authentic and just so what we wanted. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, Perry was like, "That's a rap. Put that shit on the album. To make it the all star freestyle." That's dope. And Sophia started it off, and um, yeah, much love to Sophia. I haven't seen him in so long. I love him so much. Yeah, shout um, out to Sophia. Yeah, but you know, Money B. I was just with him week before last. Spent a whole day with Money B, my brother. I love him. And um, I don't know. I keep in touch with a lot of people. I mean, it's just like, you know, seeing the three times crazy Keek the Sneak is very close to me. Um, that's like my brother. I was just with him at, uh, a few weeks ago, probably about three weeks ago. So, you know, it's just a beautiful thing to be an icon out here. And I really need to stand up and, and, and solidify the legend of the Conscious Daughters and make sure that I keep us relevant. You know, the one thing that I regret was the, I got five on it. Mm. So we got a call to be on. I got five on it. We were in Japan. Oh, we were in Japan. We were somewhere overseas and we couldn't get back in time. We Mm. had tours. And I remember our manager saying, well, they're doing a song called five on it. And it's Spice One and all these people. And we were like, damn, we want to be on that. And then we looked at these 10,000. Well, that's when we was making like 10 Gs a pop for every show. It doesn't sound like a lot now, but 5,000 in my pocket every time I got on the stage was a lot back Hell then, yeah. you know. So, we, we and plus we had already signed the contracts to do them. So, there was no way we could do it. But I just wish we would have been on five on it. You got the call to, to the invite to do Yeah, we got the it? call to do five on yeah, it. But we couldn't big. make it. And I'm just like, damn. That's a, it was it worth the money? You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, you didn't know. We were like, we were out of the out of pocket. Yeah, we had a whole yeah. tour schedule through priority. <clears throat> we were gone. And I mean, we missed doing a lot of songs with people. I wish we could have did songs with so many people, but we were gone for so long. It was almost too much. Yeah. Y'all were doing a lot because I was doing We I was, missed so much. I was looking it up like um Soul Train. Uh, oh, yeah, MTV Jams, Rap City. Yeah. Um, I mean... Soul Train was one of the best things I have. So, growing up watching Soul Train, yeah. right? Don Cornelius. Who the fuck thought you would ever be on Soul Train? When we got the call to do Soul Train, I was beside... I called my daddy. I was like, Daddy, I'm going to Soul Train. And he was like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Oh, that's good. You're going to be on Soul Train. Oh, hell, I'm watching. You know, he was old school. OG, he wasn't tripping. <laughs> He was like, all right, well, call me when you get there. And then tell me when you're on the TV so I can turn it on. I was like, okay, Dad. <laughs> you know, but when we got to Soul Train, this is the biggest thing. So I'm like, we're going to Soul Train. They sent us a limo. We get in the limo. Carol's like, open the door. The door, the limo was, oh, no, that was BET limo. Not the Soul Train limo, sorry. The BET limo for um, Rap City was tow up. <laughs> but the, the the limo that they sent us for the Soul Train, we got there. Walk inside, looked around. Soul Train was like this big. There was probably 30 dancers, 30, 40 people standing in the corner. It was so small. And then when they started dancing and the cameras went around, I was like, oh, they make it look so much bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. I just was <clears> like, I can't believe how small it is. In here, this... It's like so small. It was in Burbank and this where like warehouse. You know they have the studio um, things in Burbank, but it was the greatest day of my life. Um, 
Don Cornelius was there, but he wasn't hosting. Yeah, I saw that. It was. Um, um, it was. Um, forget his name. Um, I cannot forget his name. I know. I know his the face. Dude, I can't I remember his name. <laughs> right, but you know he was hosting. Um, Robert Townsend. Yeah, Robert Townsend. <gasps> Sorry, yeah. Robert Townsend, because he was so nice to me. Robert Townsend was hosting, and then when we went, it was us, Black Street. So I got to meet Teddy Riley and all Black Street, which I was like, we're meeting Teddy Riley. I couldn't believe it that we met Teddy Riley. Matter of fact, I need to pull up my pictures and share those on my social media. But um, that was amazing. It was Black Street, concert started, and another group. Mm, I don't know who. The, oh. Ooh, I can't remember who, who it was, but I was in such awe and so happy to be there. It was the greatest thing I've ever done. Like when yeah. people say, "What's on your bucket list?" Being on Soul Train, yeah, since for sure. Watching that since I was a kid was on my bucket list. It was hella small and shit. I was like, "My Soul Train broke," <laughs> you know. But <laughs> Soul Train ain't broke. It was just small. I don't know. But meeting Don Cornelius, then he took a picture with us, and his face was like this. Yeah, that's serious. The one picture that we got with Don Cornelius, his face is fucked up. I got him, I got to post it for you. He looked like he smelled some shit. He went. And I was like, why he made that? I don't think he meant to make the face, but the one photo we got with Don Cornelius, he looked, he got stank face. But I called it the Mac Dre um, effect. He was, he was this face. You know what I'm saying? Can I ask you something? Because it, it, that Gamers album was 96, and then I, I believe your next album came out in like 2009. I know, I know. What what was going on during that time? Well, Napster happened. Mm. So in two around two thousand five, two thousand six, the MP three was discovered. And a lot of you guys that are young, you don't know this, but we came out in ninety three. We sold records until two thousand. I don't know four, two thousand something. Then all of a sudden. People started stealing music by this MP3 digital downloads. We were selling CDs, and people figured out how to break into them and steal music. It was this whole big situation. It's called Napster. Yeah, that was like uh, probably late 90s, early, two, like 2001 or something. You think it was that early? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. when Napster hit... That's when Metallica was... was campaigning against them and all these okay, other bands. Okay, I don't know the years. My years. Listen, my years is um later than his <laughs> years, but you know what I'm saying? That was in my mind. <laughs> That's because, you know, I was living my life and living it good. So It's but, all good. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so when that had happened, Priority called us and they were like, well, we're shutting down all production of music. We're not going to do any albums for at least a year until we figure out what this MP3 shit is. Damn. And so we're just letting you know we're not putting out no music for two years. And and we were like... Damn, that's, that's bad oh news. Oh, my God. So at first, we didn't really think it was all that, like, at first... But then it got worse because the litigation started getting in and they and then the, the, the country and the lawyers and they got on the news and all this shit started happening. And next thing you know, boom, I got pregnant. Mm. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to have a baby. I only got one. He was born in 97. So you're right. He was born in 97. So 
the uh, it was late nineties when that happened. But Napster just fucked everything up, and then they had a, a after Napster came out and they started putting out music. BMI brought priority. So when BMI brought priority, it was like us, little half dead, uh, Mac Ten. All these people were like we got dropped. Mm. Like you know, so we were like, okay, no problem. You know, we Nick and we ain't been with you for two years anyway. We already learned how to make money all the way, all the way. So, like, so we don't need y'all. Fuck you. But we didn't really say that. <laughs> but anyway, I cried, feelings. <laughs> but you know, it was just circumstances that had happened uh, around the Napster thing. Yeah. That, Made it the album come out in two thousand nine, and, and then, that's when we were able to sell digital music. And in between, y'all just getting back to your life, being a mother. Yeah, and, and luckily we had enough money to live off of. Yeah, you know. So, and then we were selling verses. I mean, it's interesting because <laughs> like selling verses is a good thing. We were selling verses like a motherfucker. Well, a lot of like rappers that I noticed from the Bay got signed in the early nineties, and then they either got dropped or it didn't work out with the label. They went straight into the independent. Like Souls yeah. of Mischief, Hieroglyphics, yeah. them type of cast. But y'all had a good situation with Priority. It's just that yeah. by the time that we're talking about, the whole industry was completely different. There's no more CDs, really. And Yeah, um, I think we just lucked out because we got a lot of cash. You know what I mean? And yeah. we were able to live off of that. And we had these um, accountants that would always tell us, don't take your money. Like, they were so... Smart. Can't think of the name of that accounting company. Cause as soon as we got broke, we cut. We they were fired. They were gone. They were like, we're not fucking with y'all. Y'all <laughs> off the hook now. We started. We started taking all the money out. They were like, oh, wait a minute. We were like, no, give my money. They were like, oh, hold on, don't do that. Hold on, do that. We were like, anyway, give my money. You know. So they was like, they went on. I can't remember the name of that company, but they were really good people, mm-hmm. and they really taught us a lot about paying taxes and how to. You know, avoid having fees and how to spend your money and how to make your money. Pay yourself monthly. I was like, okay, well, shoot me four thousand this month. Shoot me three thousand. So they were like, well, that's a bit high. Do you really need four thousand? Because my at the time I was renting before this is before I bought my house. Uh, two houses, but before I bought my house, I, I was like, well, you know, I have to pay my rent. And they were like, well, how much is your rent? My rent was like seven hundred. It was like nothing, right? And so. Then I was, they was like, well, why do you need 4000 <laughs> Oh, your rent's only 700 I was like, that's a good question. And I had a car already, but we were just fucking off money for a while, for a minute. But it was a it was a great thing that we had it, and we were able to do it. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Everybody live and learn. Yeah, and then so by the time we're talking about, oh, and in between that, too, um, another big highlight uh, of your career is jumping on Nas's remix. Oh my god! How was that? How did that come together? The Where are they now? Remix the West Coast remix. As soon as I got the call, I wanted to get on the treadmill and just run on the treadmill and get surgery so I can just go bang his brains out. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. First of all, I couldn't talk because we went on tour. He was on the tour. First of all, Nas is hella tall, fucking gorgeous, and I was like. I, I don't even want to talk about it. I can't talk. I can't discuss it. I can't. Nas, if you're out there, uh, tap in, man. I can't in, discuss man. it. I can't. You heard, yeah. you heard it here first, man. I need a fan right now. <laughs> but it was great. You know who hooked that up was Bobcat. And it's funny because when me and Carol first started, and in, in, not when we first started, 
just as lovers of hip hop, we used to go to all the old school jams at the Henry J. Kaiser. Yeah. All the Uncle Jam's Army and Bob DJ Bobcat. And, you know, anybody who came, we were front and center, including George Clinton and the P-Funk All-Stars. I seen the concert at the Circle Star Theater where they had the spaceship and they came off that motherfucker. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Early, early, early. We went to every concert that you would know. We were 15, 14, 13, 12. Mm. Our parents, either my dad would take us or we was 15 and I had a car. So my parents knew and had no idea where we were. We would go to the concerts. Just be up in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just amazing, amazing to see some of those really early artists. What was your question? The Nas, jumping on the Nas. Oh, release. yeah. So, so some Bob of those Cat, artists Bob were... Cat, Bobcat reached out to me, and he... Um, I had a question on him, too. <laughs> before he married Chanel. Okay. But anyway, he reached out to me, and... Said, hey, would you guys like to jump on this Nas remix? You know, he was thinking that, you know, it would be good to have some females from the West Coast that he mentioned you guys. I said, really? Because, you know, when we went on tour with Nas, he wrote his song, More Conscious of the Way We Raise Our Daughters. Right. That's about right, us. Right, he right, wrote that while right, we were on tour together. Right. So when we were talking to him. Is that when I, if I ruled the world? Yeah, if yeah. I ruled the world, More yeah. Conscious of the Way We Raise Our Daughters. That came from our tour. So that was a shout-out. Well, yeah, but... In a way, right? Yeah, but yeah. he... You know, it, <laughs> you know what it is. <laughs> so, um, every time I hear that, I'm just like, thank you. And then for him to come back and do, tell us to do the song and stuff, that shit was hot. Hell That's yeah. all I have to say. That was hard. Hell Period. yeah. Salute. Congratulations. That's big. And then, yeah. so, and then following that, that's when Gorilla Funk... So Paris goes from Scarface to Gorilla Funk, and right. basically y'all get back together on the independent tip now to do yeah. this uh, the Nutcracker suite. Yeah, so we had kind of um, lost each other for a while, and Paris was doing some work with you know Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. You know him and Chuck D are real close. And that was and recorded out here in Frisco too, right? Oh yeah. In yeah. the meantime, we did we did we did some songs with PE too. We got the and 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 Dead Prez and MC Ren. Um, we have a song uh, with all three of them. That in the meantime, he was doing like um, what do you call them compilations. Mm-hmm. So we were able to get on some of the compilation work and and work with Public Enemy and MC Ren and Cam and whoever the other person was. I said. And some other people that I can't think of right now. But we were able to do some compilation work in the meantime. So that was keeping us a little busy. But at the same time, we were working on an album together. So we said, let's do our own shit. So we started going in the studio. And I know Carol did some stuff with Keek the Sneak. And, you know, uh, we kind of started working separately and together. It was all over the place at Mm. this point. Like, you know, at this point, we were kind of... Um, separating ourselves from each other because I had a son. Remember I told you I had a baby and she didn't have a baby, but she did end up having a child, but not through her, but through her partner. You know, she would learn parenthood later. Right. But I learned it first. Right. And it kind of kept me away from being able to just jump up and go to the studio and the club and all that. So, um, you know, there was some time where we took that, you know, I needed just to raise my son and, um, you know, we weren't recording for a while, but 
I got some gems in the closet. I'm trying to figure out how to put them out. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole, it's a whole new era. I mean, the door, yeah. the door is wide open. Um, what, what do you think? I mean, like, I don't, I don't ever like to pigeonhole women rappers as like a female MC. I don't even like that term, right? A female rapper, like, no, nah, you just rap, right? But it, in these days, there is like almost a new genre of like the Meg Thee Stallions and the Cardi B's and the Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on 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 women in hip hop today in 2022? Uh, today, I love it. That's what's up. Ten years ago, I hated it. Mm. Um, not ten, maybe five, seven years ago, I hated it. I thought they were terrible. Um, but everything changes, everything evolves, and it reminds me of when I was a kid and my parents. I was listening to gangster rap and they hated it. Mm-hmm. They was like, what the fuck you listening to this killing shit for? Who you gonna kill? You ain't killing a motherfucking flea. Why you keep spitting it? And I'm just like, and then I started kind of indulging in the gangster rap. But I wasn't really a gangster. Like, I wasn't trying to kill nobody. Mm-hmm. You, um, Well, first of all, don't give me a gun because I would probably go to jail by accident because I would just get mad and shoot a motherfucker. <laughs> so I can't have a gun because, you know, I would get in, in one minute. But I'm not... A, a certified gangster. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, and my parents knew that. They was like, what the fuck you talking about? You ain't no damn gangster. Sit your ass there. You grew up with a good family and you got money. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, remind me who I am already. You know, but these women that are out now as far as um, rappers, I'm so proud. I love Doja Cat. I love Megan Thee Stallion. I love Nicki Minaj. I want to say Nicki Minaj, first of all, Lil' Kim yeah. is the queen, right? right, right. Not aside from all the '80s rappers, Queen Latifah and Moni Loves, and all these beautiful women MC that, Light. that and MC Light mm-hmm. that came before us and during us. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about after us. So I love, I love Megan Thee Stallion. I, I love all these women are showing up and they spitting bars, and yeah. I'm like, finally. And I want to uh, shout out Rhapsody too. That's oh yeah, another she's one. dope as Super hell. Super dope. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many of them now. I'm like, damn, y'all finna challenge me because I'm finna come back and burn all you bitches. That's what you don't know. Uh, yeah, sounds and like you're you ready. Is you ready? Is you ready? <laughs> it sounds yeah, like it's you still joke. got it. It's a friendly burn, though. <laughs> but I'm going to show up, though. Uh, That's what I'm going to do. I want, and I feel like at first I was like, well, I'm too old. Maybe I should retire. Nah, nah. I shouldn't do this and that. Then I realized I still had it. Yeah. I still got it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... When I get on the mic and I really spit some shit and it's hard, like that them songs that you hear on the Gamers album, yeah. specifically, I still got that. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe I'll try it. So I did a solo album called The Jane of All Trades mm-hmm. in 2011. And it, it is almost, it's got so many streams, I'm about to get a plaque for that in a minute. There you go. Um. So, but it's called, it's under CMG. It's not under Conscious Daughters. I don't know how to... Connected. I've been trying to get it connected when you search Conscious Arts, that comes up, but it doesn't. But it's called The Jane of All Trades. It's by CMG. I got a, a collab on there with um, Keith Murray. Um, I did a song with San Quinn. I got Mr. Fab on there. I got, uh, uh, oh, come on, Carla. It's more. Uh, uh, I got Marvelous on there, Sacramento's Finest. Nice. I got um, Mike Marshall mm-hmm. from Rumors. I mm-hmm. got him on there. I got um, a couple more people I might be forgetting. But I did do a solo album, but I didn't really promote it because Special One died. Right. Same, and when same she died, year she that... died right when I put it out because 
we were working on an album, but she was taking so long that I was like, I'm just going to work on my own shit. I had a a streak that I wanted to do, and I just did it, and it was done. So I put that out through Sony Red, and thank you, Sony, you know, that they took me right away. Oh, yeah. That was like their underground little subdivision, yeah, right? Yeah, subdivision. Yeah, my yeah. boy Topper had an album on Sony Red. So, you know, thank God they took me in, and they, you know— Put out the album, so that's out, and that's been, you know, nice for me. Uh, but then I realized I still got it, so yeah. I'm like, hmm, I might sneak in a song or two, but I want to be creative. I don't want to be trying to do what they're doing. No, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm no. not, I'm not a, a, a 20 year old rapper, yeah, but yeah. I'm, but I know how to to come in, and I'm just gonna go straight to my brother Sway, and I'm just gonna drop some some knowledge. I'm gonna drop that's some right. jewels and yeah, yeah. show him what I got, and just move on with the, my motherfucking day. I don't that's need right. a bag. I don't need no fucking fake hair, no booty, nothing. No, no. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna just drop, drop, spill the bills. You are, feel me? Are there any young women in the Bay Area that you're feeling right now that you would want to work with, or you like what they're doing? Um, because there's a lot right now. Well, name some because I maybe you'll bring because I don't. Uh, Kamaya. Have you seen Kamaya in Oakland? Uh, I'm from Frisco, so I'm. That's the safe answer. Have you seen Kamaya in Oakland? <laughs> Have you seen? Excuse me, sir. Have you seen Kamaya in Oakland? Kamaya. Oh shit. Kamaya. <laughs> no disrespect. Okay. Uh... I love. First of all, yes, and I love Kamaya. However, I've been on the circuit, the rap circuit in Oakland since. 1993. I ain't never seen her once nowhere. I know, hey, I know how that is. But I understand. I ain't saying you ain't from Oakland. I ain't seen Gerald either. I love, uh, what's his name? G-Eazy. G- I love G-Eazy, though. Yeah. I love both of them. I, and, and no disrespect, Maya. Yeah. I apologize. So that's a valid question. But I'm just saying, you don't come to Oakland and do nothing. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we gonna leave I it see at you, that. I'll catch you in L.A. I'm gonna be out there soon. <laughs> I'm trying to get to where you at, but I like that energy. You know, I walked up to her and I said, "Hey, I've seen these from Kasha's daughters," and she's like, "Okay." Oh. Okay. I said, "So if you don't know your history, if you don't know me, or you know your history, then that's cool." But I found out later that she does know special one. She mm. just didn't know who I was, right. and that and and she did come on my social media and say, "Oh my God, this is my mentor." When I saw that, that told me, that explained to me what was happening. She didn't know who I was, but she knew who special this this woman is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that to me is everything. So, That's what's up. regardless to what I said, I, I love and appreciate Kamaya. Um, but I don't know anybody else. Like you would say Kamaya, and uh, I don't. I mean, are you some up Oakland on, rappers? Like, you, let's talk about. Are you up on Lil Kayla from Frisco? Yeah, I thought Kayla was from Richmond. Uh, she from Frisco. Or I don't know. There's a, there's another fake look. Or so, excuse me, not fake. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. But I, Kayla is dope. I like her. Okay. I like. I, I've heard of little Kayla, <laughs> but I thought she was from Richmond. I know it's a little Kayla what, from what's Richmond. What's the deal? She is there a little Kayla from Richmond? And it, okay, okay. Oh, she from Richmond? No, little Kayla. Where from? San Francisco. But there's another one from. Okay. Oh, I don't know. But all little Kaylas, I love all of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I just love your name. I don't, I'm, I don't uh, even know why I even, you know. But my whole thing is, any all, any and all women, There's I, I haven't seen any rappers from the Bay. That's why I'm like, I want to, like, 
find $50,000 so I can go make a TV show on, like, trying to find people uh, and, and, you know, uh, do a pilot on finding these women. Like, I put actually started my own record label, and I'm putting out a dude. Mm-hmm. And he ain't even from here. He's from, well, I, I'm not going to say he's not from here. He is from here. He's rooted here. He has family here in Oakland. But he moved to Minnesota, and he's a Minnesota rapper. His name is Pedro Pesos. He's dope as hell. He's a melodic rapper. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I have decided to invest my money in, you know, putting this dude out, and he is amazing. And I'm about to put him on on the on the on the track doing some shows, and you know, put him out. I just can't find any women that I really like that are not already either fucked up in the mind to where you can't uh, it's, it scares me mm. because I don't know I don't want to invest my money in then you and then you having mental breakdowns and you can't get to the show and you can't I'm not used to that yeah. you know this whole mental thing for these young women is different because when I grew up women didn't shame each other they're growing up with women shaming each other. Yeah, there's a lot of beef. Their their mindset is all fucked up. They don't feel they're cute enough because they all plastic. And I'm more plastic than you. I'm not plastic enough. And, you know, it's like nobody's normal within their age group. So I'm afraid to take that plunge. If I do find somebody, I definitely want them to be authentic like her or, you know, Rhapsody or somebody like that. I can't do the... Barbie plastics because they they just they're messed up in the head and I can't invest my money and worry about losing my money behind like a chick that's not solid in the mind. That's interesting. You know uh, I think uh, maybe after this we're gonna have to put you on to some people because I think Please between do. everybody here in the room we know a lot of up and coming artists, young ladies who are out there doing their thing that are more in, in the lane you're describing. But maybe just haven't landed on your radar yet. But I yeah. do think I do think you should keep mashing. I told this to Black Seed the other day because I'm an artist myself. If if me or anybody my age or younger puts a limit on you, I'm putting a limit on myself. That means I gotta reach a certain age or a certain point, and I gotta just stop because I'm at a certain age. Like I don't I don't believe in that. I believe just rap rap until until it's over, man. You I know, agree. until the wheels fall off. And it's never too late. And I think what you're going to see, what I've been seeing by doing this history of debate thing is that all these youngsters are tapping in. I'm talking middle schoolers. I got middle schoolers coming up to me about this. So I think uh, by doing this, I appreciate you so much because I think uh, more people are going to find out and they should know about the legacy of Conscious Daughters. The story is not over. You got and many more like me. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many... That came before. And I know a lot of people say thank you to, for the people who paved the way. But, you know, I think it, it's, it's just a whole different thing. People do it now because they want the fame and the money. Mm-hmm. And a man and a bag and the other shit. You know, and, and that's not... It should be about the art because you love the art of what you're doing. Right. You know, and there's those people that do that. And they just don't make the money that the, the other ones do. And it's sad, you know, that... And not just take any talent away from them like a lot of them are good yeah. the good ones make it to the top yeah but there's meanwhile back at the ranch there's a whole bunch of talented people that just never go anywhere because they're not flashy like that they're not loud they're not acting a fool they're not you know um showing their titties and ass and popping coochies and booties and shit all fucking day you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lane for... There's so much music out there. You can make a lane for anything right now. It's all about the game that we was talking about earlier, that marketing, that promotion, that business sense, figuring out how all these different platforms work. But I do think, um, you know, having someone like yourself to, to, to put another young woman on or any other artist is, is, would be helpful. But, uh, yeah, you know, the game is so different now and there's just so many different opportunities. So, uh, well, ladies, I'm optimistic and men, cause I don't, I'm that, listen, I would love, first of all, I'm looking, I would love to find a female MC that's just different. I mean, it, I don't know what it is. If you, it, I'm not, don't know what I'm looking for until I see it. Um, you can't say, I want to find, you know, I would love to find an Asian female rapper. That's oh, let me ask you this. Hell, Excuse me. Sorry. There's none out. Not to cut you off, but do you know, do you know who Ryan Nicole is? Have you ever yeah, heard? Yeah. Okay. I love Ryan. Okay. Okay. Because she was, I was just did her podcast. Rapper, actress. Yeah. She mm, was, she was she giving bad me. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's pretty. Sure, man. Shout out to Ryan. Ryan Nicole. Ryan is already on her way. <laughs> she probably look at me and be like, girl. No, I'm working with such and such. No, no, you know no. I, the reason I brought her up because I did her podcast and she was saying how much uh, you meant to her. She, oh, really? Yeah. She, she invited yeah. me to her. Brian, tap you in. have not invited me to your podcast. I'm going to send this to her. I'm going to tap in with her. And I'm going to tell her to tap <laughs> in with you. But I love Ryan. Um, she's amazing. Definitely. She's one, first of all, I should have mentioned her earlier, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, you know, if there's anybody out there who feels like, you know, they really authentic for me. It's hard to be me and look at somebody and be like, I don't want to be a judge because I'll be like, "Mm, you're just not real enough for me. You know what I'm saying? If it's going to involve my money, I really have to feel it. No, that's valid. And I don't want you to be just like the rest of the chicks. But then am I making a mistake by not selecting people like the rest of them because they bought? But I want just something different. So anyway, my email is cmgflows, F-L-O-W-Z. C-M-G-F-L-O-W-Z at Gmail. If you feel and you would like to send me some some rhymes, your videos or whatever, I'm, I would love to hear it. That's dope. It's something that I want to do. I just haven't been able to find an artist that really moves me to want to spend money. Well, we're going to put you the know? word out right here. Put the word out. On the History out. of the Bay podcast. Conscious I got- Daughters on Instagram. Conscious Daughters on Facebook. Just... Google Conscious Daughters. One more question before I let you go. <clears throat> Rest in peace, special one. Yep. What do you think is one thing that she should absolutely be remembered for? How do you want her legacy to be remembered? Well, she should definitely be remembered for her personality because everybody loves her. And she any room that she walked into, she lit it up. Like, she would walk in here and be like, hey, and then talk to you and bust a whole freestyle about what you're wearing <laughs> and be like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And, you know, she was a comedian, which was like so ahead of her time. Her style was ahead of her time. She was just an all around great person. And I think everybody, she's one of those people that everybody loves period. As soon as you meet her, you're automatically like, she hella cool. That's it. And I don't know how else to explain it. Cause it was so authentic and it was so her. So, that's what's up. Rest yeah. in peace. Bye, my sister. Special one. Thank you so much, CMG. Conscious Daughters in the building. Capital Tax in the building. We're going to have you yeah. back and, and talk some more shit. Yeah, we I'm got sure there's TMD some... from Capital Tax in the building. I know there's some more crazy shit He's you can probably driver. tell us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thank you to the whole team, man. Amoeba Music San Francisco now, for sponsoring us. Cameraman, my, uh, my folks said, over here. 
Troy. Troy. Dio. Love you. Skino. Thank y'all. D'Angelo. We out. Are y'all for hire? I'm Don't try to I'm take my team. Her, yeah, yeah team. damn. <laughs> I'm gonna be here by myself next episode. <laughs> <laughs>